You're listening to The Gulf Stream, the official podcast of the Heart Research Institute for Gulf of Mexico Studies at Texas A&M University, Corpus Christi. December 26, 2015 was the date of this tornado outbreak for Dallas-Fort Worth. And early on in that day is when we started to kind of sniff out the possibility of this happening. Um, It just wasn't really forecasted until that day of. And I was driving home from Oklahoma from spending Christmas Christmas with the family, right? So I had my two-year-old in the car in my black lab, and we're heading back from Oklahoma when I'm on I-35 approaching the Red River area, and a tornado warning goes off on my phone at 11 o'clock in the morning. So completely blindsided by this, especially with having precious cargo, you know? Um, So luckily, I was near an exit. I got off the highway, found a a rest stop that had a bathroom. So I just dove in there with my kid in my black lab and waited out the storm. Let's dive in. All right, Chelsea Burnett, Texas Storm Chasers, welcome to the Gulf Stream. Thank you. We are so happy to have you here. I think it's it's really cool that that you're on our show because up to this point, like what you do is is so different than any of the guests that we've had before. You know, it's mostly been people that are involved with fish and wildlife, some some way, shape, or form. So this is really neat, and I think that you know what you do and the stories that you can share with us today. You know, it's it's in a way something that like all Texans can relate to because <laughs> yeah. everybody's united in a way by weather, yes. right? So yes. so I would love it if you can just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. My name is Chelsea Burnett and I am with a group called Texas Storm Chasers. And we are just a group of 10 weather enthusiasts who like to chase all the things and document it with pictures and video and just live to tell about it. So we're also a group that believes in providing public information during certain weather events. So we utilize heavily Facebook and YouTube to broadcast live in-studio coverages of severe weather events across Texas, as well as um, live streaming from the field on these storm chases. So we pride ourselves in being that noble information source for Texans since 2009. Um, it's just an easy to understand, you know, noble, just down-to-earth information that people can understand and relate Mm -hmm. to. And, you know, they use us as a resource in addition to other uh, severe weather resources uh, across the state. So that's in a nutshell, you know, what we do. So Awesome. I love it. Um, I know that I've, you know, always followed Texas Storm Chasers because, you know, on social, just because when you're watching, you know, the, the TV weathermen and meteorologists, like, Granted, what they do is very important, yes. but I think sometimes, you know, I ha- always had this joke. So I grew up in, in North Central Texas. I went to UNT, as we talked about earlier, um, lived in Dallas for a really long time. I always had this joke that like if Pete Delkus ever rolled up his <laughs> sleeves, yeah. like that's when it was getting serious, mm-hmm. right? But so, <laughs> I really like what you guys do because it is just it's no BS. Mm-hmm. It's just what you need to know. It's not It's not trying to get people, you know, up in arms or scared or anything. It's just, here's the information. And so I think that that is really cool. Um, I will say I have always had a healthy fear of weather. Um, you know, when the severe thunderstorm warning pops up on the mm-hmm. TV, like my heart rate definitely goes up. No stranger to, and I, I know that being afraid won't do me any good, but um, no stranger to hiding in the bathtub and taking shelter yes. and stuff like that. So um, I'm I'm truly also like haunted by my small towns, like storm sirens. Mm-hmm. Never forget that kind of thing. Um, so 
hopefully after this conversation, you can make me feel a little bit different. Hope so, yes, that's <laughs> about, the goal. About weather. So <laughs> what does what does a storm chaser, what does um, Texas storm chasers do, um, you know, in, in a little bit more? It's not just a scene out of Twister, right? Correct. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, so we chase all different facets of weather and actually not just here in Texas either. We chase all across the United States. Um, I've driven my vehicle all the way up to Minnesota and back for storm chases. Wow. I've driven to Montana and back, uh, Colorado, you know, so we just kind of encompass that central part of the United States where Tornado Alley is, where weather is typically happening the most. Um, so we are out there documenting it on video and pictures and posting it to social media. And sometimes our content ends up on regional and national news outlets as well. So I'll get some texts, you know, the next day and a family member or a friend will be like, oh, I just saw you on the morning news or I saw you on CBS or something like that. So um, it's always kind of cool to see that after the fact, you know, when, when storm chasing. But um, we all have our different facets with our involvement with Texas Storm Chasers. Um, I'm the public speaker because no one else wants to get out in front of people and talk and travel and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm, but that's fun mm -hmm. for, for me. So along with storm chasing, getting out there and talking about it with the public, with kids and adults alike, um, who both have a healthy fear of the severe weather, but, al but also those who are just diehard enthusiasts and yeah. are like, you're like living my dream right now type of people, you know? And so um, then you have David Reimer, the owner, who uh, his wheelhouse is doing the in-studio live broadcasts. Uh, that is his baby. That is his pride and joy. He has outfitted an office in the house with, I don't believe any less than 12 monitors. I could be exaggerating, wow. but it's at least eight monitors in the office, um, all with computer programs, you know, to better enhance the experience of people who are watching his live coverages. Um, and then you have Jenny Brown, who takes care of our weather blogs on our website, and she's a great photographer as well. And then Jason Cooley, uh, he's our in-house meteorologist. He's the only one who has passed and graduated with a degree <laughs> in meteorology. I have a failed attempt at it. Uh, so, um, and then the rest of us just chase and get content to provide um, for those social media platforms and just for our own personal enjoyment. So awesome. a little bit deeper into the reason on why we do it. So how did you, how did you get started in this? Oh my gosh. Uh, depends on who you ask, but okay. um, my parents noticed when I was about two years old, that every time it thundered, I would run up to the door in the window and watch the storm oh, and listen to it. You were the opposite. I was the opposite. Yeah, yeah, I was excited when I heard thunder. <laughs> so I would run up and watch it. And then when the storm would 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 die off or move away, I'd get sad because I'm like, oh, it stopped thundering. Mm. I really like that. So they noticed really early on that I had a somewhat healthy obsession with weather. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I was 10, the movie Twister came out. Okay. So 10 years old, watching this movie was like, oh my gosh, these people are doing this is just amazing. You know, at 10, you're not thinking of oh, that's Hollywood effects. Sure. You're like, those real. are real people out there yeah. doing this. There's flying cows too. <laughs> um, so growing up, I was just further driven by that movie. Um, and then two years later, two or three years later, uh, May 3rd, 1999 happened. And that was Oklahoma's worst tornado outbreak in its history. And I remember being in middle school and that evening unfolding. And we have family members who live in the Oklahoma City area who were coming to our house to shelter to get out of the way of the path of the storm. And then we had um, ourselves going to the fire station to shelter because throughout the night it was just multiple tornado after tornado after tornadoes moving across the state. Um, I want to say there was probably 60 some odd tornadoes that happened that night. Wow. So being 
being a middle schooler, already self-aware, being interested in weather, that was just one of those life-changing events to happen um, that continued to fuel, to snowball that obsession with weather. Um, so I didn't have any friends who liked weather like I did, so mm -hmm. I didn't have anybody to relate to or talk to. It's kind of alone in that aspect. Um, so when I would talk to adults and tell them I wanted to be involved with weather, they just automatically assumed I wanted to be on TV sure. as a meteorologist yeah. talking about it. So no, for one, I was taking um, or I was going to speech therapy because I had a stutter when I was younger. In fact, I didn't really get over it until my late 20s. And so I had that speech impediment that hindered you know, my desire to even speak on TV, mm -hmm. let alone read out loud in class, you know, mm -hmm. so... Yeah. I just knew I wanted to be behind the scenes like Twister and see the storms. Uh, so I tried to graduate with a degree in meteorology from the University of Oklahoma. Um, but I uh, knew I was in trouble when I got a C in pre-cal. Ah, uh, yeah. It's like, okay, me math this don't is not good. Either. Yeah. That's why I'm not a marine biologist yeah. <laughs> right now. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of math um, with, with most STEM, um, with most STEM focused topics. But uh, I went on to take calculus one because I'm just stubborn like that. And I failed it three times. Oh just to be sure. So you were determined. Yeah, I was determined, yeah. <laughs> but my strategy didn't change either time. I was working full time. And you know, when 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 you're a young adult and you're working full time and going to school, it's like you just want to pass and just get it over with. Mm -hmm. So that's when I ended up switching gears and moving to North Texas and went to UNT and got a degree in something a little bit more more real world applicable. So that was business. Gotcha. You know, a lot of people are like, you just took the easy way out. I'm like, I took the way out that would finish without racking up as much student debt. Yeah. You know? So 100%. I just wanted to get my degree and be done. That's important. That's, that's important. very important. So in a nutshell, that's kind of how I've slid into the world of weather. So is, is if I, okay, throughout this conversation, is the mm -hmm. term chase, like you're chasing storms, that's like, that's proper term. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, how many storms like have you chased in your in your career? Oh gosh. Um, I went on my first storm chase um, March twenty fifth, two thousand eleven, and a lot of people are like, "Whoa, you remember that date?" But I remember that date because it was what we call a blue sky bust. There weren't actually any storms that happened, <sighs> so I had them so amped up. I'm like, "I'm yeah. going out with my people. We're going to see some weather," and then to wait in a field for hours and nothing happened. Nothing happened. Uh, well, after we got home, after midnight, the storms happened, but it was a little too late at that point. Of course. So since then, I have chased, I mean, probably thousands. Um, you know, I, I keep track of tornado counts, mm -hmm. which I've seen 49 of those. Okay. So wow. I have a list on my iPhone of the dates and, and what they were rated on the enhanced Fujita scale. So wow. that's my little, yeah, I keep track of it. <laughs> So you were you were telling a story. Um, so I should preface this: you did a seminar right before we came in, yes. and and are shooting the podcast now. So that that was awesome, um, very enjoyable. I had a lot of really good questions in there from um, you know both students and and faculty here at HRI. Um, but you were telling a story about um, I don't remember if it was the first tornado that you had chased in 2015 mm -hmm. um, in DFW. It was very de uh, devastating to the DFW area. Yes. I vividly remember that Do i was you? living in dallas um oh. i was living in deep ellum at the time oh. i had um i lived in a, a a loft but it was like in the basement of this building so very old building and it was like the one and only time that i was you know not as worried about a storm mm -hmm. because i lived in a basement exactly but i very vividly remember that and and so it, it's just crazy that that you know was your first storm so can you tell that story yeah again? of course so um 
December 26, 2015 was the date of this tornado outbreak for Dallas-Fort Worth. And early on in that day is when we started to kind of sniff out the possibility of this happening. Um, it just wasn't really forecasted until that day of. And I was driving home from Oklahoma from spending Christmas, Christmas yeah. with the family, right? So I had my two-year-old in the car in my black lab, and we're heading back from Oklahoma. When I'm on I-35 approaching the Red River area, and a tornado warning goes off on my phone at 11 o'clock in the morning. So completely blindsided by this, especially with having precious cargo, you know. Right. Um, so luckily, I was near an exit. I got off the highway, found a, a rest stop that had a bathroom. So I just dove in there with my kid in my black lab and waited out the storm. And nothing happened, nothing materialized. But as I got home and started chatting with other people, we quickly realized what the potential was later on mm -hmm. that afternoon and evening for Dallas-Fort Worth. So I made plans, dropped off the kiddo uh, with his grandparents, um, left the dog at home, and went on and chased down I-35 later that evening. Mm -hmm. And by this point, it was dark, and there were storms approaching from the southwest side of the metro. And I post myself up along I-35 near Red Oak. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting at a gas station parking lot looking due west over the highway at what I thought to believe was a tornadic supercell thunderstorm uh, that was tracking my direction. Um, I had my radar scope open, app on my phone, tracking the the storm as it got closer. And I start watching this from the west and I'm looking and I start seeing the lightning flashes and power flashes mm. where mm -hmm. this tornado was happening. So this was actually one of the smaller tornadoes that occurred before the big one that went through uh, Garland and Rowlett. But uh, it was like within within the hour of each other. So I see the power flashes light up this tornado. I see the lightning light it up too. And I just watch it slowly make its way to the northeast. And it safely passes me. I didn't have to seek shelter or anything, but I was recording it. Uh, it was just a really cool moment to actually witness what I've been obsessed with my whole life. Yeah. Um, but it just wasn't in it. It wasn't played out the way I thought it would in my head. Like I thought my first tornado would be this glorious daytime crazy <laughs> tornado. And it was just this yeah. crazy little tiny lit up with, you know, lightning flashes. And so, you know, but it was still a really cool experience. And unfortunately, um, there was another tornado that, that developed after that, and that one was the one that was an EF4 mm -hmm. um, that went on um, uh, to cause 13 fatalities, and they were all from people on the highway. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. yeah. It's a bad night for them. Well, so I, I want to talk a little bit about hurricanes and tropical storms yes. because you're also involved in that, um, which you know, obviously we here in the coastal bend, that's something that's part of our, you know, everyday lives and something that we have to keep an eye out for. But mm -hmm. before we totally move into that, um, has there any ever been a time when you're chasing storms that you were, you know, just very apprehensive that you did have to seek shelter? Like, how do you know when that time is? Like, <laughs> when enough's enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When the tango is no longer a tango. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, luckily, with the 49 tornadoes I've seen, I have yet to feel the need to take shelter. Um, there was a tornado that occurred in Peshuta, Mississippi back in 2020. Um, Mississippi is not the best state to chase storms because of all the trees. Mm. It's just really hard to spot a tornado above the tree line uh, when you're Im Im immersed you know, in those trees on, on the highways. But we were uh, north of town and 
debris started raining down on us. And that's when we were like, oh, okay. And looking at their radar, we could see that the tornado was just to our Southwest tracking our direction. So we're, we just keep driving North and we just keep having tree branches and leaves and other debris kind of falling around us. Nothing crazy major, but, um, you know, power lines were sparking, um, pieces of roof were coming off of businesses and homes that we were driving past. And that was probably one of the more like, oh, this is serious. Yeah, because we yeah. couldn't even see the tornado, but we knew it was behind us. So we just tried to keep track of the radar as best as possible, and which the radar isn't exactly the best tool because the radar is representing what has already happened. Oh, like we're interesting. We're already looking at what has happened, and most radar updates happen in five-minute increments. So what it's we're looking at slow. could be four minutes old, yeah. and it's like, okay, the tornado is somewhere closer than what it's, what it's saying here. So we had to be diligent in our efforts while storm chasing to make sure we stay safe, but, mm -hmm. you know, stay out of the path of that. So luckily, you know, we made it through unscathed, nothing happened, but that was probably one of the more intense moments while yeah. chasing a tornado. I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. Can't see it, but you see the, the, the debris. So yeah, for sure. So how do you, how do you prepare to, to go out and, and chase a storm? Like, are you looking for specific like data? Are mm -hmm. you looking at specific weather patterns? You know, like, I, for, for a period of time, I worked for Texas A&M Forest Service. So, you know, I can imagine maybe similar to like looking at fire weather, you yep. know, you're looking at relative humidity and you're looking at, you know, um, wind speeds and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like, are you looking for those data points when you're deciding, okay, like conditions are right. We need to go out now. Yes. Yeah. So when we're anticipating a, a storm chase, um, for example, while I was on a storm chasing tour, I was helping guide for a tour this year. And, um, you know, each morning we wake up, we look at the forecast, we see what the Storm Prediction Center is saying about uh, the outlook for the day or the next couple of days. Uh, they issue outlooks um, from the current day one all the way out to day eight. So it's like a week's worth of outlooks that you could look at at any given time. So we utilize uh, their expertise, what they think is going to happen. We take a look at um, the College of DuPage uh, website with forecast model information just to kind of just to kind of understand why the SPC is saying the things that they are. Um, and so once we figure out where we want to go chase, we make our way there. And once we're there, that's when we look at uh, satellite imagery. We look at radar. We also take um, uh, mesonet analysis information and look at what's going on in the area that we're in. What are the dew points? What's the temperature? What are the wind speeds? Is there shear? Is there um, cape? You know, is there energy that's sufficient for supporting um, a severe thunderstorm? Things like that. So that's wow. overall, that's just kind of the general process that we go through. Wow, that's yeah, that's awesome and pretty pretty involved. Yes, but, very. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so you mentioned when you were in the seminar that um, you know when you're going into a storm obviously you're making sure you're doing it in a way that's safe mm -hmm. um and i'm sure especially with you know tropical storms and hurricanes you you said you don't want to take resources away from you know uh those people that are on the ground to help with recovery yep. so like how do you know like where you should be and and you know <laughs> this is these are all like my like personal curiosities yeah. like where you should be when um you should leave and mm -hmm. and things like that um, so I'll use the example of when I chased Hurricane Ida with my husband, Adam, who's also a storm chaser. Uh, we chased Hurricane Ida in Louisiana in August of 2021. It was my first and only chase uh, with the hurricane, but um, we 
saw the forecast. Uh, we made our plan. We drove overnight, drove to Thibodeau and stationed there after some research and finding a, a, a hospital there that had a parking garage. So we just staged ourselves on the very top floor of that. We waited a while. Then the storm came on shore and then it crept closer throughout the day. So um, it was just a, just a waiting game is really what it was until the storm moved closer and closer. And so um, we did venture out at one point during the height of the hurricane. Um, the eye wall was still about 40 miles to our southeast, so we weren't even in the most intense winds at that time, um, but they were hurricane strength where we were at. So we drove around, we documented some of the flooding, some of the damage that already happened from the wind, but when we got back to the hospital, they closed off the parking garage. Oh no! So we could not get back up there. So yeah. we were out in the middle of the elements in the middle of the parking lot on ground level. Um, you know, and so that was kind of dicey in that it was that point where it was hurricane strength winds, you know, we have no shelter, no protection. We're at ground level. If it rains anymore, we're in trouble, yeah. you know? So thankfully that didn't happen. The hurricane, you know, moved off to the North and East. And then we eventually left town which that was an adventure in itself because, yeah. of course, with hurricanes, there's down trees, down power lines. Um, you know, thankfully, everybody was sheltered and no one else was out driving around because we had to make some not so lovely road maneuvers, mm -hmm. you know, to get where we needed to to go. But um, thankfully, you know, as we drove through, we didn't encounter anybody who needed help immediately. So which is something we were looking out for. It's yeah. like, okay. As, as we make our way back, you know, into the western part of Louisiana for the night, you know, we kept our eye out to make sure that there weren't individuals that needed immediate assistance of any kind. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that hurricane, I realized I was very lucky with that. We were in and we were out. We were on our way home the next day. Wow. So storm chasing, I'm, I'm sure it's very exciting, you know, but but it's not just something that you're doing for fun. Mm -hmm. You're getting out there and you're collecting real time, real time data on the weather and that includes tropical storms and hurricanes. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what you're what you're looking at and what you're collecting? Sure. So um, along with being out in the elements and capturing, you know, the things that we want to capture, which is video and photos of the event as it's unfolding, um, we're also relaying back real time information to the National Weather Service offices of the areas that we're in um, through several different means. Um, we do have you know, them tune in to our live storm chasing broadcasts when we're out in the field. Uh, but we are also utilizing different storm reporting methods, uh, such as Radar Scope on our phones. It's an app that we can download and pay a subscription for. And within that app is a software called MPing, M-P-I-N-G. And it's what the National Weather Service uses to receive information, ongoing information about severe weather events. And we're able to log things like flooding and tornadoes and, and hail and, and, and all that fun stuff, wind. Um, and they can see what's happening in real time because it's GPS based. Mm, so okay. it follows our location and they're able to see where we're at, what's happening and what time we made that report. Mm -hmm. um, and it also has our um, information like phone number and email so they can touch base with us if they need more information. So that, you know, just snowballs down the line into providing better warning processes for people down the line. So it's like, OK, this storm is doing this right now. What does that mean for the impacts for the communities that are out 
ahead of the storm, whether it be a tornado or a hurricane or what have you. So, sure. yeah. you know, o- overall, we're just giving ground truth information um, and we make those reports and those get archived and they get used at a later date, um, you know, to kind of see what the process was for each severe weather event. So then can that data help with, you know, future kind of storm predictions and stuff like that? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I'm sure now, I, and this is a question that I had for you at some point was, you know, are storms that you're seeing from your experience, are they in hurricanes, tropical storms, tornadoes, are they getting more erratic and more severe? Like, have you witnessed that throughout your career? Or is it just that we're, you know, there's more people and more people are being impacted? Mm-hmm. I'm sure it can be a kind of a combo of both. It's definitely but... a combo of both, in my personal opinion. Um you know, I've been chasing since 2011, so I have you know about 12 years of give or take some some storm chasing opportunities, and it does ebb and flow. Personally, for me, you know, there is 2016 was a great year for storm chasing for us. Um, not to sound less sympathetic toward people who are impacted, yeah. but um, in terms of the number of tornadoes witnessed and just the different things we were able to see. 2016 was a crazy year for storms. And then it started dying off 2017, 2018, 2019. They just weren't hmm. great years from a storm chaser perspective. 2020 kind of kicked up. Last year was pretty good. And this year has been pretty good as well. But um, in terms of overall um, changes in the severity of storms, I personally don't think it's any different than past years. Interesting. You know, uh, I guess the one comment I will make is what everyone else has probably realized is that the, the, the traditional tornado alley we know as Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas has seen less activity than the Dixie alley tornado alley. So the Hmm. deep South are seeing more storms than, the actual traditional tornado alley in the last few years so a lot of people will go on to say oh tornado alley is shifting but really there's there's the traditional tornado alley and then dixie alley can be its own little tornado alley at times too wow yeah that's that's pretty that's that's interesting (laughs) yeah it is (laughs) you mentioned um i think this is kind of a cool citizen science element like you mentioned that there is an app um where you know people can submit like what they're seeing weather wise Mm -hmm. um what was that app called so they can do so um, if they don't want to download an app, um, social media, they can tag their local National Weather Service office in it. So on Twitter and Facebook, on Twitter, they can make the post and tag the office. Facebook, they can send a message or tag the page or, you know, make a make a story or a reel or what have you and tag that local National Weather Service office. Um, Otherwise, if they have a smartphone and they have access to something like radar scope, um, a lot of weather enthusiasts use it too, not just storm chasers. But um, if they want to download that, they can utilize that reporting uh, software as well. Um, And then there's one uh, called Coco Raws. And that one is more for winter precipitation reports as well. And that's online on a desktop. Um, So there's several different methods, but I think the easiest for everybody is like their social media. Yeah, of course. Uh, Because a lot of news stations will take that too and tag them and give them credit and say, hey, uh, Chelsea Burnett, this is a picture from her, you know, from wherever, (laughs) you know, a lot of people enjoy that aspect. So, but you still probably shouldn't be that guy that's like, no, there's a tornado coming and he's out in his backyard, like taking photos. I'm sure you could go on Instagram right now and like find the meme of the traditional Texas guy, like standing in his yard. Yeah. 
yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny you bring out the meme because the 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 tornado tour that I helped guide for the owner Eric from a tour a couple years ago, he has a tornado behind him. He took a selfie, but then there's an elderly gentleman with his iPad oh taking a picture gosh. of it. And that has actually been turned into a viral meme. It's like National Weather Service it issues a severe warning, Texans. And it's that <laughs> yeah. picture of yeah. Eric and that guy. And it's been morphed into other different memes. But yes, that's it's, hilarious. Yeah, it's yeah. been fun because I'll, I'll see it once or twice a year. I'm like, Eric, you're making the rounds again. <laughs> yeah. So, I think that's pretty cool. What is a what is a storm chasing tour? And if 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 any weather enthusiasts are listening to this right now, like, can they just come do that? <laughs> yeah, like, yes. Yeah. So um, we actually there are several tour companies out there. The one I drive for is called Tornadic Expeditions. They're based out of Sherman. Texas. So they live about an hour north of where I'm at. And Eric has been running tours um, for eight seasons now. So eight years. And I guided my first one this year. But basically, people from all over the world will pay Eric um, a sum of money, which covers like their hotel rooms and gas and things. They're just responsible for food. And they'll either do a, a six day tour or a 10 day tour. And they'll fly into whatever base city that tour is operating out of. So like early on in the season, it's Oklahoma City. Um, my tour was based out of Denver. My husband that uh, he's guiding right now is based out of Rapid City. So we kind of followed the weather pattern that way. But the guests fly into whatever airport, we pick them up and we just drive out to where storms are happening or is forecasted to happen. Gotcha. So we have enthusiasts. We have people, it's it's a bucket list item. They just want to see a tornado and they're done. Um, but we also have repeat guests. So okay. uh, I actually had the pleasure of um, guiding this tour with a father-son duo from Michigan. And my husband, Adam, he kind of prepped me for it. He goes, okay, you're going to have this father and son duo and uh, this is their third tour with us and they have yet to see a tornado oh, so of course the pressure no pressure no pressure, no at pressure. All. So, you, you have to make a tornado yeah, come out of the sky I know, right, now. right? Yeah. so it's like hey that counts that's a dust devil right so um, <laughs> unfortunately three strikes they were out we did not get them a tornado this tour uh, we were on plenty of tornado worn storms they just could not make it happen but they are slated and have told us they should return next year so we'll see oh cross our fingers yeah, 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 yeah. hopefully they they get a good story out exactly. of it if nothing else yeah. so that's exciting <laughs> um so do you have any advice for somebody like me who you know sees a severe thunderstorm warning sees a tornado warning mm -hmm. and like immediately gets nervous like is there anything that you would say to like calm my fears i guess <laughs> i would first say that knowledge is power so mm -hmm. david reimer the owner of texas storm chasers actually grew up extremely terrified of storms really okay he did not like the storms but um, as he grew up and learned more about them, it shifted for him. He's like, mm. he became, he went from being scared to being, you know, pretty obsessed like yeah. the rest of us. So yeah. I would say knowledge is power in that aspect. Um, I would also say that statistically, when there is a tornado warning, um, most of the time when tornadoes happen, only about 88% of those 88% of the tornadoes that happen are EF0s to EF1s, mm. meaning they're on the smaller side mm -hmm. of, you know, this the scale. The winds aren't as high. They're not on the ground for as long. So they have, like, minimal impact, if gotcha. anything at all. And only one out of 100 tornadoes are actually EF4s to EF5s. Okay. So, you know, as someone who's nervous about a major impact when it comes to severe weather, I would just say that st statistically... Most of the time when we have the, the severe weather warnings and tornado warnings, 
nothing usually transpires out of it. Hmm. And it's very, you know, it's like a one out of a hundred time where we'll have an actual big impactful event. Okay. So um, I tell that to the kids in the presentations and I have kids that come up to me afterwards and say, okay, I'm not as scared. Yeah, so, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, so. and, but that's, I think that that's what's cool about what you do going around and, and speaking to people about chasing storms and about your experience with storms, because not only could it, you know, make somebody like me, you know, a little less nervous, but I think it helps people understand, you know, that weather is a fascinating thing. Yeah. And this is part of, you know, mother nature. And, yep. and it is really fascinating. It can be really beautiful too. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, but what about, you know, what about hurricanes? I mean, what did, obviously there are some people who are like, very fortunate and I'm one of them mm -hmm. and I recognize that I'm very fortunate that if we were to get a tropical storm or hurricane you know threat right now mm -hmm. I could pack up my car and I could leave yeah but there's some people that can't do that but like what what kind of um advice would you give to people around you know the coastal bend who are you know trying to prepare for the next hurricane the next tropical storm mm -hmm. what should be in their go go kit like when should they really heed warnings and stuff like that you know and each each case is is so personal because mm -hmm. you know people are, are are tied down with with jobs or with family that are here or they don't have the means to get out. Um, it's just basically being proactive mm. as much as they can be. Like you mentioned, you know what what should they have in in the hurricane preparedness kit? You know when should they pay attention to those warnings and heed those warnings and get out of town? Um, I would just establish a plan if possible with friends or family members that are outside of the coastal bend area, you know, places like San Antonio or just elsewhere outside of the risk area that they can go and hang out with for a couple of days, um, you know, kind of come up with a plan for that, like mm -hmm. have multiple options of where they can go, um, saving up for, you know, they call it a rainy day fund, but why not just save up slowly for hurricane funds? Sure. That yeah. way you have the extra means, you know, you're not having to, to scrounge up, oh my gosh, I didn't plan on having to spend as much on gas and hotels, you know, to get out of the way of this hurricane. Um, and also the National Hurricane Center has um, a cool fact page and they also have uh, a preparedness link on there that you can click on and it'll guide you through the steps that you can take um, in order to, you know, best be prepared to leave if you have to. So I would just say just be as proactive as possible, come up with a plan, have multiple resource points mm -hmm. established mm -hmm. so it's not such a oh my gosh, I have to think of all this in the heat of the moment. Sure. You already kind of know where to go and what to do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's great advice. And also I think other great advice is people shouldn't go out and chase storms on their own. No, right? definitely not. <laughs> no. Obviously don't be the uh, guy taking the picture in, in your backyard, yeah. but like don't run through the reporter uh, shot uh, who's like reporting on the hurricane right uh, now. Don't right? follow. Yeah. We, 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 we have people who will, who will figure out, like we'll be driving through town and they'll figure out, oh, they're storm chasers and mm. we'll have people that will try to follow us. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, when people are like, oh, let me see your storm chaser vehicle. And I show them, they're like, oh, it's not very flashy. Well, we do that for a reason. Yeah. We want to be kind of low-key incognito when we're in storm chasing mode because we don't want to encourage mm -hmm. the act of storm chasing of and, you know, get people excited like, oh, these people are in town. Let's go follow them. Yeah. 
So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you told, I think this is funny and would be interesting for our, our viewers and listeners to know, you know, speaking of vehicles, yeah. Um, you know, you don't have like some armored vehicle that you're going uh, no. out in. Like you are driving your normal, what was a Ford Expedition? Yeah, or uh, Explorer? Ford Explorer. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Same vehicle I take my son to school in, you know, so it's like, it's just my personal vehicle. Um, it is a 2014 and it already has 223,000 miles on oh it. Oh my gosh. From from chasing and other, you know, driving adventures, but um you know, it's it's hanging on, knock on wood, but <laughs> uh yeah, nothing major's gone on with it again, knock on wood, but it is old enough to where I rented a vehicle to come down here. So, oh, I was okay. not trusting it on a 5 plus hour drive. I see. I yeah. gotcha. So, I, I I hope you have good insurance. I do. I work for an insurance <laughs> there broker, you go. so yes. That's what I was hoping you would say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, got the um, end on that. That's that's great. That's pretty awesome. Um and you guys have like, you know, decals that you can slap on the sides yep. so that you know like it's yeah, official. those are removable too. So, gotcha. you know, when we're driving through, but it's it's great to have the decals on the sides because otherwise somebody would probably look at my vehicle and just think I was a super bad driver <laughs> with all the cracks in the windshield, the dents in every panel, you know, things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. so we're, you know, that's a lot of miles. Where yeah. have where has storm chasing taken oh you? Oh my gosh, all over the place. Um last year I drove to Minnesota and back um cut through iowa in south south dakota another year i drove up to montana so through colorado and wyoming wow um and then in, everywhere else in between we've taken family trips to new mexico in it and my husband's from chicago so we've driven it to chicago and back a couple times so i call her Haley, um h-a-i-l-e-y because ah. it's she's white and pearly like a hailstone so yeah. So Haley's been everywhere. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yep. So um, you mentioned you have a son, correct? Uh -huh. um, is he interested in storms? How does he feel about it? He thinks it's cool. You know, he's 10. So he's at that age now where it's like he doesn't want to show pure enthusiasm for much anymore. Oh, you know, like yeah. especially uh -huh. when it has to do with, not with cool. the parents. Yeah. yeah. But um, I've, I've I've spoken at his school before and um, afterwards for a few months, you know, the kids I did carpool pickup. So I'd be in the pickup line and they would see the vehicle and go, Marshall's mom. Oh, my gosh. Aww. You know, it's cute. Yeah. But he. Um, other than the occasional thunderstorm we'll get, he'll ask to look at the radar and just get an idea of what's happening and where. Like, he'll ask questions, but then that's the end of it. He he doesn't want to, be like, actively go chasing with me. And, like, when I come home from a really crazy chase, you know, when I get him back the next week, I'm like, oh, my gosh, Marshall, you won't believe what... And he'll just kind of <laughs> just side glance, look at my video and go, oh, yeah, that's cool. Then, yeah. So <laughs> I'll share it with him, but he's, yeah. he's, he's not that diehard, you know, about it, which is fine. Yeah. It's okay. Well, we would love it if you can share some videos with us because i think everyone around here yeah. would be super stoked Heck about it yes. so <laughs> youtube we're on youtube texas storm chasers okay perfect that, yeah. that's a great that's a great lead-in so how can people find more information about texas storm chasers sure. so we have a website so for anybody who just does not want to mess with social media we have texasstormchasers.com um, where we house you know the same information as we do on social media we put our blog post up um, showcasing upcoming severe weather events or tropical weather and um, we also have an interactive radar that they can look at there too. So it's kind of a one-stop shot for the people who aren't smartphone savvy, mm -hmm. which is fine. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have a Texas Storm Chasers app. It's completely free um, on the on both Android and um, Apple stores. 
And same thing as the website, uh, we'll get alerts when there's blog posts made, when David goes live on YouTube, there's push updates that happen there too. It takes you straight to the YouTube video. You don't even have to mess with all that. Um, and then um, we're also on TikTok, Twitter, Twitch, I think, I think, um, and um, Instagram, um, things like that. So awesome. Uh, but we're mainly on Facebook and YouTube for the live coverage stuff. So are you guys also providing, uh, obviously you're providing severe weather info, but are mm -hmm. you giving, you know, like kind of daily weather updates? Yeah. Like right now we're in, you know, this long, long yes. stretch of extremely hot weather. So yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Jason Cooley, our in-house me me meteorologist is, is good about putting out uh, forecast video updates. Um, he's been on tour lately. So I think those have kind of fallen to the wayside, but when he's back from tour i'm sure he'll resume those again but he would make the forecast videos for the entire state so awesome yep also on youtube well what haven't we covered chelsea um, oh my gosh uh, <laughs> i don't else? know that was very comprehensive <laughs> yeah what else should people what else should people know um you know about texas storm chasers especially in hurricane season right now mm -hmm. what should they should they be on the lookout for anything just you know following following along on social or on your website like you mentioned yeah definitely um stick to that uh we don't have anything um currently that we're watching in the gulf of mexico or or atlantic uh there was just a named tropical storm out in the pacific and oddly enough its name is calvin which is jason's son's name so we were giving Aww. him crap about that like hey it's calvin <laughs> so um that's about all that's going on in the tropics right now but we are in the middle of el nino it was a transitional year this year so we made that official switch in june and, you know, that typically means a lower threat for hurricanes in the Gulf of Mexico, okay. um, only because of the higher wind shear that's associated with an El Nino pattern, which hinders the development of tropical systems here in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, that also means that any systems that come off the coast of Africa um, aren't going to reach the Gulf of Mexico because the Bermuda High is weaker. And then those storms are just going to kind of recurve and go and go up the East Coast versus entering the Gulf of Mexico. So as of right now, that's just the basic outline of what the upcoming hurricane forecast is like. But of course, if anything should develop, um, Texas Storm Chasers would be on it, be there, be live covering it and all that fun stuff. So, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you for what you do. Thank, thank you, you for keeping everybody updated and keeping everybody you know safe in that regard. So thank you for being on the Gulfstream. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, consider contributing to a greater gulf by visiting heartresearch.org. That's H-A-R-T-E research.org.